The Productive Woman, Episode 24. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me for this very first episode of 2015. This week, I will share with you my conversation with writer Karen Beery, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. You'll find links for Karen's bio and the resources she mentions in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 24. So now let's get right into my conversation with Karen. I am so pleased today to introduce Karen Beery to the Productive Woman listeners. Karen and I met online through our shared interest in writing fiction and at one point shared an interesting little conversation on Google+. And the more I heard of her story, the more I thought you would enjoy meeting her. Karen has hundreds of published articles, has completed five novel manuscripts. We'll probably talk a little bit about her writing and some exciting developments there. In addition to her own writing, she offers writing, editing, and coaching services to other folks. And she's a wife to Matt. I am so looking forward to learning from her journey and uh, letting you hear about what she's got going on. So welcome, Karen. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So you have lots of stuff going on. We'll go into some of the productivity stuff, but we were talking a little earlier about uh, some exciting developments with your fiction writing. Tell us about that. What's happened? Well, earlier this year in September, I was at a writer's conference and I took a proposal for a novel manuscript. And this is roughly my fifth. I'd say that I have five manuscripts completed. When actuality, one of them is actually the third incarnation of the same manuscript, but I've thrown away 90,000 words on that one, so I consider it three. But this was my fifth one, and I've been at this for eight years, so I've learned quite a bit. I've applied quite a bit. I've had a lot of experience now, and I finally was able to put something together and write something that captured somebody's attention. And um, actually, it was just the beginning of this week that I signed with WordWise Media Literary Service, And so I am now an officially agented novelist, and hopefully, maybe in the next year or so, we'll have a contract to have my novel published. Very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Every every fiction writer's dream (laughs) to to get an agent that you can be excited about to come alongside you and help you get your work published. So congratulations. Thank you. Look forward to maybe getting to read it one day. So this podcast, obviously, is called The Productive Woman. One of the things that we like to do is talk about uh, how other people get things done, what their sort of productivity tools and challenges are. And so let's start by talking about what's a, if there is such a thing, a typical day like for you, how do you spend your time? I wish I had a typical day. (laughs) I absolutely do not. Um, And that's been one of the biggest struggles for me. Two years ago, my aunt moved in, and she is 65. She'll be 65 in two weeks, and she's mentally handicapped. And she'd been in a home for the last 30 years and loved the home, but she was the highest functioning woman there and was really kind of understimulated and 
was getting to the point where she was seeing her siblings retire and people starting new phases of life. And she wasn't very happy there. And as my mom, who is her guardian, and her care provider were talking about what was best for Linda, they thought that some one-on-one attention would really benefit her. And they tried a couple of things and it didn't work out. So my husband and I talked and prayed about it. And uh, we asked if Linda would want to move in with us. And that meant a lot of changes. Uh, My husband and I don't have any kids. So this would be essentially bringing in an adult-sized 6 to 12-year-old child. But it also meant having to quit my job and figuring out kind of how we could make that work. So we lost a lot of income and I switched from writing part-time as kind of a hobby to writing part-time as I need to build this into a career because we need to replenish that income somehow. But at the same token, having my aunt here and really trying to provide for her the stimulation that she needs. Uh, She is a very extroverted person. She loves people. So making sure we get out of the house, that we go see people, we're doing things, but also just the little things, grocery shopping, doctor's appointments, dentist appointments. uh, And those aren't always on the same days at the same time. So I really have to be flexible and kind of accommodate her schedule, my schedule, and then try to find time for my husband. So I don't really have typical days, but I have typical weeks. I okay. take one one day a week where it's laundry day. And that one day, I'm going to stay close to home. I'm going to work on what I can around the house. So I may cook some extra meals that day, may do some extra cleaning. But on the day that I do laundry, I'm at home and everything that I'm going to do is house-centered, house-focused. Probably won't do a lot of my writing because it's very hard to go from folding clothes back into, you know, writing a press release for someone. But then like today, I've been very busy. I have a little sign that I put on the back of my laptop. This is writer at work. And so my aunt kind of locked herself in her room today. And this is the day when I get to sit in my office, which is also the living room, and just focus on the paying writing gigs. And then we take one day a week, we can go grocery shopping. I live in a very small town. And the closest department store mall situation is a good 35 minutes away. So when we go into town, we like to kind of make an afternoon of it. So it's not so much what a typical day is like. It's just taking one day per week. If I know she has a doctor's appointment, that will turn into our grocery day, errand day. And we just kind of try to cover it all at once. Uh, that, that sounds like a life a lot of people live, you know, yeah. in, in one way or another. If it's not an, an adult who needs care, it's children who need care. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's got those kinds of challenges. You have an additional challenge that you have to deal with in sort of managing your time and getting things done. And I, I'm not sure how much you want to talk about this, but you have some, some health challenges as well. Actually, I love talking about it because I've discovered that it's much more common than people realize. I was diagnosed just under two years ago with adrenal fatigue. And the interesting thing about it, I go to a church and there's maybe only 50 people in this church. Three women, uh, all about my age, we were all diagnosed with adrenal fatigue within probably a six-month time period. We all actually as well visit naturopathic doctors. um, I try to stay away from pharmaceuticals because I'm highly sensitive to them. But we all went to the same doctor, and he told us that it is not as uncommon as people think. It's just often very misdiagnosed, and people just think they're tired or 
they just take stimulants to kind of press through that tired feeling. But I went through, had some blood work. If you've ever had a cortisol test, uh, a lot of spit involved in that. (laughs) Um, But they tested cortisol levels, adrenal levels, some hormonal levels, and just discovered that uh, my adrenal system essentially crashes. I would go very well for two to three days, and then it would it would just stop producing adrenaline, and I would have no energy for two days. And uh, so that was very frustrating for a while, but the diagnosis was actually very freeing because it relieved a lot of the guilt of sitting on the couch for two days and doing nothing. Sure. And so the consequence of adrenal fatigue is literally just very low energy at periods of time in your life, which can have a little bit of impact on your ability to do things. Absolutely. And uh, essentially what was happening um, is, you know, your body produces the adrenaline and it would produce and I would be incredibly productive for two or three days, but your body just is trying to tell you, you need to slow down or something's wrong. And it would stop producing that. So basically it stopped producing the fuel that I needed Mm. to continue doing things every day. I've since been on some, started some different uh, supplements to help with that. Again, trying to avoid pharmaceuticals just because I have nothing against pharmaceuticals. Um, My husband is a cancer survivor. He had chemotherapy. We're so thankful that that exists. But if there's a side effect, to an over-the-counter drug, I will have nine out of 10 of them. (laughs) So I decided to do the supplements. Took a little bit longer, but within a matter of months, I went from having maybe three to four days a week when I couldn't get off the couch to maybe one day a week, Mm. and then to one day every other week. And even still, every now and then, I'll have maybe two or three days when I just have to really slow down. But we're talking about maybe every three months instead of a weekly basis. And so, you know, as a woman who is relatively young, who has responsibilities and commitments to your husband, to your aunt, to your writing career, to, you know, in various other ways, I would guess, I didn't ask you this before, but I would guess you've, you've, you have to be pretty efficient or focused or find ways to be efficient and focused during those times when you are do have energy to get all these things done and accommodate the fact that there are going to be some days when you can't do what you need to do because of your health. Absolutely. And a lot of the things that I enjoyed doing, I had to stop. I love to review books and I get books for free from different publishers and get to review them and, you know, write those up on my blog and really had to stop with that because that was just a commitment that I couldn't put the time into it. When I had the energy, I had to go ahead and I had to work on the paying gigs. I mean, if I have only 30 minutes during the day when I'm going to be able to do anything, I'd rather be getting paid for an article that I'm writing instead of taking that time to read a book for fun. My novel writing suffered a lot during that. I was lucky if I could look at my novel maybe once a week. But again, it was one of those things where I tried to focus my energy where it needed to go. So the paying writing jobs, the paying editing jobs, my husband and my aunt. And those things came first. Everything else just got pushed off. I mean, that's a theme that um, the folks who listen to The Productive Woman, uh, who have been listening for a while have heard me talk about that before. Regardless of our situation, nobody can do everything. And we all have to 
take that look at our lives and, and figure out what are our priorities, what are the things that matter most to us, and how can we get those things done. And a lot of times it involves choosing to say no to some things so that we can say yes to the things that matter most. And there's a lot to be said, a real need for us as women who want to help everybody and serve everybody and do everything. And in the 21st century, we're supposed to accomplish everything. We, we really do have to have those times where we step back and say, all right, what really matters? Where is my time and my energy? Uh, where are they best spent? Because both time and energy for all of us are finite resources. And if we want to make a life that matters, which is something we talk about on this podcast a lot, we have to do that exercise of thinking about what matters most to me and how can I get those things done to create the life that I want to live. Well, and one of the things that was incredibly helpful to me, my husband went with me to the doctor when I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. So he was there when I got the diagnosis. And one of the things that the doctor encouraged me to do and has been so helpful is he, he just told me to stop feeling guilty. There was absolutely no reason to feel guilty. There is nothing written that says that there has to be a home-cooked meal on the table every night. Nothing says that I have to clean the floors once a week. There is no guidebook that tells me that all of these things are necessary to do. I always tell people, please warn me before you come to my house. I'm a horrible housekeeper. I hate doing it. And if I am tired, that is the last thing I'm going to do. One of these days when I'm rich and frivolous, the first thing I'm going to do is hire a housekeeper. But just kind of having like the the doctor's prescription to let the guilt go. And um, my faith is very important to me and to my husband. And when you read through scripture, guilt doesn't come from God. Guilt comes from the enemy. And even when people are trying to be nice and even when they mean the best for you, a lot of times guilt comes from other people, even when they don't mean to put that on you. Yeah. Um, We take it on ourselves. Exactly. And yeah, you might not be able to do something at your child's school, or you might not be able to go to everybody's Christmas party. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, if they love you and care for you, they're going to understand that you need that time to rest and you need that time for your family. Uh, So that has been really helpful to me. Uh, Sometimes it's still a struggle. uh, But you know, we do pizza about once a week, usually on a Saturday, we're all tired, we had a long week. And we allow ourselves to do that because we just need the time off. And we just try to eat a lot of salads during the weekdays. Nothing wrong with that. I, I love I love pizza. So that's at uh, at our home. That for a long time was kind of a Sunday night tradition to mm-hmm. to have pizza and you know watch a movie or or not yeah. just just eat the pizza <laughs> and then go do our things. But um, n- not a thing wrong with that. So I mean I think that's a really good point that I hope uh, listeners will will. F- focus on and internalize this, your, your doctor's prescription to stop wor- uh, worrying and stop feeling guilty uh, because we really do. I mean, I know I do. I, you know, I think if I can't do everything perfectly, there's clearly something wrong with me. And it's one of the reasons that I launched this podcast was, and I, I said it in the very first episode or two, I'm on a mission to be real because I've heard so many other women over the course of my life 
say the same thing that I felt, which was, I thought everybody else had it together. I'm the only one having this problem. So there's clearly something wrong with me. I need to keep it hidden or they won't like me. And when you finally break down and tell the truth that, hey, I'm struggling with this, people come out of the woodwork to say, yeah, me too, me too. And I think the kindest thing and the most supportive thing we can do for each other is not not wallow in our difficulties, but just admit we have them. Right, absolutely. You know, nobody's got it figured out. I, I just think if we all sort of get together, you know, as a group, we can figure some things out and find some solutions for, because you're, you're certainly not the only woman who's trying to accomplish things while dealing with, you know, health issues of your own and caring for a family member and all these other things. So I think a great service to other women to say, here's what's working for me. Maybe some of this will work for you too on that point, what are some of the tools or resources or things that you use to be more productive, you know, and getting the things done that you want and need to do? I am actually very old school and that I love my day planner. I am such a nerd. I'm so excited. The same day I got my agent contract in the mail, I got my 2015 day planner from (laughs) Franklin Planners. I just, I love them. I need to write things down. I've never officially been diagnosed as ADD, but I think I have some ADD tendencies. And one of them really is I need to write everything down in order to remember it. Because if I don't have it on that to-do list, I am not going to get to it. I can't tell you how many times I walk into the living room to pick up something, even if it's a note that I need for an article I'm working on. And I will have to go to my bedroom six times because I get distracted every single time along the way. That is, it's just my lifeline. I don't know what I would do without that. And you and it's the Franklin Planner that you use. Franklin Planner. I'll, ma- I'll yeah. make sure to put a, a link in the show notes so okay. folks can find yeah. it if they want. Because you're not the only. I'm a tech geek, and I, everything I do is online on my iPhone mm-hmm. and stuff. But I still fight the urge, despite that fact, you know, to get a calendar, a paper mm-hmm. calendar, day planner, because I just love those those things. I used them for well, years. And that's one of those things too. Um, surprisingly people try to be encouraging but that's another one of those areas where sometimes you just have to let people's comments kind of roll off your back because they can come across as kind of condemning love my sister my sister is a blogger and she does a phenomenal job with that she has a law degree she has a family she's just an amazing individual and she can leave the house and run errands all day and never make a list and come home and everything. She just remembers. She has that ability to do it. And she's always telling me, well, you need to learn how to do this online and you need to learn how to do. And I know that she's trying to be encouraging because I end up carrying a lot of literally a lot of things with me because I'm a day planner and I have all my notes and I carry a legal pad because I like to do rough drafts on paper, but that's what works for me. Yeah. And that's a technique that I have found that helps me to be successful. And if that means I have to write it down, then I write it down. Um, I've tried using my cell phone and I put lots of things in there and I forget to turn the timers on and or the little beeps on. So, I mean, it's full of stuff, but it doesn't help me if I never get the notification. Yeah. So, yeah, I've just accepted the fact, even in my writing, I like to print everything else on paper. Technology is great in many ways, but I think it's important to find what helps you to be productive mm-hmm. and just to embrace that. It's not going to look the same as what somebody else does. And that's fine. My desk is atrocious. I'm glad you can't see it right now, <laughs> but I understand my math. 
and I understand where everything is. And this helps me to do what I need to do. And if it works for you, that's that's what matters. It's always fun to sort of look into what other people are doing and see if there's something there that maybe you can incorporate into your system or your workflow. But uh, you can spend, as I've admitted in past episodes, I am guilty of spending more time than I should noodling with my system and trying new apps. Mm -hmm. And I I justify it now because I'm going to review them on the podcast (laughs) for other people. (laughs) My husband just rolls his eyes because he knows I do it just because I love it. Um, I'm just a geek that way. So you, in your writing, whether for clients or for your fiction, what tools do you use? You mentioned that you like to do rough drafts uh, by hand on a Mm -hmm. legal pad. Obviously, you can't submit articles or manuscripts that way? Do you write in Word? Do you write? Yep, I just use uh, Microsoft Word. And it's funny because even this, this is another learning curve. Like I said, I've been doing the fiction writing for eight years. And I've read so many books on the best techniques and ways to do things. And I used to just try to do what everybody else did. And I finally found a system that works for me. When I write an article, I usually take my notes and I like to print out my notes, take a legal pad, and write up, handwrite a rough draft and just make you know, notations there so that I can put the article together quickly. I assumed that would mean that I am an outliner for novels. And that is not the case. The novel that went through three different incarnations, I tried to outline that. It was a disaster. I wasted so much time on that. But I do need to put some initial thoughts down. And because I freelance write and edit as a job, I get sick of sitting in front of the computer. I don't want to be here. And especially in Michigan, where you only have really three nice months in the summer, (laughs) you don't want to be at your computer. So I like to take a hard copy and go sit outside when I actually have some warmth and some sunshine. So when I do my novels, I just buy a wire-bound notebook. You can get them for 10 cents in July and August when they do back-to-school sales. And I have a stack of those, and I will just put all the notes for different characters, um, settings, things like that in there. A lot of times I won't even reference them again, but just having written them helps me commit it to memory. So then when I sit down to write... For some reason, I can kind of visualize it in my mind after I've written it. Uh, But a lot of times, too, I will flip back to that notebook five or six times because I just can't remember if I gave my main character blue eyes or brown eyes, and it throws me off. So, I, yeah, I use my computer as much as needed, but I use the paper and the pen as often as I can. Is there a particular, I have a lot of friends who are writers uh, as well. You know, I think you and I have some of the same connections because we're both, we've both attended conferences for, or at least one conference for the American Christian fiction writers. Is there a particular book on writing that you really love that's been really helpful to you? I think for beginners, Jeff Gerke's Mm, The Art and Craft of Writing Christian Fiction is fantastic. I started reading that um, right when I started writing fiction, and he covers all of the basics very well. And he also has plot versus character. Yeah, I love which, that one. That helps me realize I am a completely character-driven writer. And it's funny because the more I realize that, um, I understand now my choice of movies and TV shows, the ones that I like best. I know it was 
received rave reviews, but I hated the movie Gravity because there was absolutely no character development in it. It was all plot. My husband thought it was the greatest thing ever. I was just glad it was only 83 minutes long. So that one, those two, I think, for the beginning writer, and then just to kind of help you understand a little bit about yourself. But the other book I recommend more than anything is Self-Editing for the Fiction Writer. That one I waited to read until after I had a completed manuscript because it was about editing. I recommend it to everyone before they finish their draft because there were so many hints on there on things to spot and things to look for that I think it probably would have helped me in the actual writing process Hmm. to know what to avoid writing in the first place. Great recommendations. I always like to ask this question of guests, and and it's one of those sort of loaded questions because everybody knows what the answer is going to be, at least to the first part. And that is, do you ever have a day when it just all gets away from you or you get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if and when you have a day like that, what do you do to get back on track uh, and get productive and positive and, and doing the things you need to do? Well, I, I mean, I've had a lot of those, especially with the adrenal fatigue, where you would have a whole to-do list and you'd get up and there was just nothing that you could do that day. I think, again, with the guilt, the important thing is not to feel guilty about it. Things happen. Life happens. Don't beat yourself up about it. And then the next day, you just start over. It's a new day. I'll go back to my to-do list, uh, revise it, look at what I can rearrange, maybe things that I had to do don't have to be done. But I'm also very blessed because my husband and my aunt are very accommodating and very understanding. And even though my husband works full time, um, even though my aunt is mentally handicapped, I can just tell them that I'm busy. I need some help. And my aunt will do the dishes and she'll cook breakfast and sometimes she'll even make me lunch. So Um, I'm very blessed to have that support system. Uh, But if I didn't, there are always little things that you can do. At least I've discovered, um, because I help my husband employ them a lot for when I'm gone. Mm. I'll leave for a week or two to visit my family and take my work with me. And some of the little hacks that we do are just go buy the frozen dinner. Mm -hmm. And now they have some really good frozen dinner options. Feed your family frozen dinner. It's not going to kill them. Take that time to reevaluate. Yeah. And for me, so much of it is just about the emotion of it. Mm. Don't let yourself get overwhelmed. Don't let yourself feel guilty. If I don't accomplish what I want to on one day, don't just add that to your next to-do list. Mm. Take a couple of minutes to reevaluate that and figure out what really needs to be done. And this was another suggestion of my doctor that I've taken very seriously. Don't set too many goals for yourself. Be realistic. If you didn't accomplish anything yesterday, don't expect yourself to accomplish twice as much the next day. Be realistic. And then if you can do something extra, you kind of get that energetic, oh, I'm on a roll. And then you might actually accomplish a few more things. But if you just add your to-do list to each, keep adding it on top of each other, you'll get frustrated, you'll get discouraged. And that doesn't help with productivity at all. 
Really good advice. Something I certainly need to remind myself of from time to time. Really such great thoughts to share. Uh, And if listeners want to in the future, where can people connect with you online? Where do you you like to be found uh, in the online world? I have a website, which is going to be revamped, but it's available. It's karenbeery.com, but that is not spelled the way you think. <laughs> it's uh, K-A-R-I-N, B as in boy, E-E-R-Y.com. So if you see beer in the middle of that, <laughs> it's spelled correctly. If you don't see beer, it's not right. All right. I'll, and I'll put a link in the show notes so okay. folks can find it there. So there's uh, my website. Honestly, I'm pretty active on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, So my Twitter feed is just Karen Beery again. The Facebook I have, I guess they call the fan page, which it just feels weird to me to have fan page and followers. It makes it feel like it's some sort of weird cult, but that's what they call it. And it's Karen Beery and just look for writer, editor, coach. Okay. And that's my public. Um, please don't take it personally if you find me and you want to friend me and I don't accept. I do try to keep my Facebook page private for my family and friends. But yeah, I'm around there. And then if you're ever curious to know what's going on with Aunt Linda or my husband, they are two of the funniest people I've ever had the privilege of meeting. And so I do maintain blogs just to let people know what's going on with my husband and my aunt. And I can give you the links for those as well. Oh, yeah. And I'll put those in the show notes. That'll be great. My aunt's life with Linda, it's just, it's been a real treat living with her for the last two years and learning about her and learning about myself. And then for anyone who's not from Michigan, uh, we have two peninsulas, the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula. Upper Peninsula folks are known as Upers for the UP, which we like to say is kind of uh, a little bit redneck without the racial prejudice. (laughs) And my husband is affectionately known as Uper Stewart because he's a little bit U. Uper, but he's a little bit Martha Stewart. Okay. And it is completely as bizarre as it sounds. And he <laughs> provides me with a lot of good fodder for Facebook and blog posts. Well, I'll have to look for that. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, any any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help, a little encouragement in getting things done and, you know, making a life that matters? You really need to take the time to know who you are and what your own limits are. Because as soon as you start to try to accomplish what someone else has accomplished in the way that they've accomplished it, you're setting yourself up for failure and disappointment. And you can only be as productive as you're going to be. And what is productive in your life may not be productive for someone else and maybe just a fraction of what they can do. But if that's what you're capable of doing, and that's what gives you that sense of fulfillment, then that's what you need to do. You know, know who you are, listen to your body. I mean, that's how I discovered the adrenal fatigue. Just know your limits. Mm -hmm. And when things start to get a little off, that's when you need to take that time to reevaluate and try to find that balance again. Really great advice. Thank you so much, Karen, for uh, taking the time to be here and to talk to the listeners. And uh, I appreciate it very, very much. I'm so grateful to Karen for sharing her thoughts and experiences about staying productive in the face of health challenges and caring for family members. What do you think? Do you have any questions for Karen? Is there anything she said that particularly resonated with you? 
Please feel free to ask your questions and share your thoughts by going to theproductivewoman.com slash 24 and scroll down to the comments section. Karen will check in during the week this episode airs and she'll be sure to respond to any questions. So we hope to hear from you. A couple of reminders before we wrap up for this week. As always, I want to be sure I'm covering the productivity-related topics that are useful and interesting to you. So if there's something you'd like me to talk about or a productive woman you think I should invite as a guest, please let me know. You can email your questions or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com or you can leave a voice message by going to theproductivewoman.com and clicking on the button there. If you're enjoying the podcast and you haven't already done so, please remember you can subscribe to The Productive Woman in iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, consider rating and reviewing the podcast in iTunes. Links to subscribe or to rate and review are available in the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 24. And remember also to look for The Productive Woman on Facebook. Be sure to join me next week for episode 25 when we're going to be celebrating the milestone by sharing a cornucopia of productivity tips shared by listeners and some special guests. You won't want to miss it. And that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you found something in it that's helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again soon. And so until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network, a network of podcasts on a variety of topics. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.